Hello, and welcome to the Find Your Calm podcast. I'm Noelle C. Guevara, a pastor, educator, and writer learning to navigate faith and family and being a person in this chaotic life. Here in season two, we're doing a deep dive into some of the ways that life can be anxiety-inducing and what it looks like to find your calm in the midst of it all. We spent the last few weeks talking about recovery journeys, but today we're going to pivot and spend the next few episodes talking about change. If you've ever experienced change, you know that even good and welcome change can be anxiety-inducing, and it can be hard to get your bearings when everything is shifting around or inside of you. It's really chaotic, right? And so that's where we'll start, with the change that begins on the inside, when it's you that's changed, and how to find your calm when your boat is rocked from the inside out. Here's the truth. I don't know how to avoid chaos or how to prevent the anxiety that chaos inevitably causes. But I have had more than a little practice in finding my calm when life beckons anxiety instead. If you're looking for space to take a deep breath, steady yourself, and discern what you need to move forward, you're right where you belong. Listen in for a few simple tips to find your calm and take your next faithful steps forward. Have you ever felt the shifts of change inside of you and suddenly found yourself completely disoriented? I think over the last few years, we have all encountered change, whether we wanted it or not, and had to make a decision. Will I buckle down and hold rigidly to my routines, to my beliefs, or my priorities? Or will I bend like a reed and lean into the winds of change, allowing it to change even me? The summer of 2020 changed the world, but it changed me too. It began with headlines, it evolved into conversations, it morphed into taking sides, it devolved into chaos, and that chaos became a catalyst for change, a complete overhaul, a cleaning out from attic to basement, unpacking boxes of beliefs, worldviews, theologies, priorities. My perspective zoomed out and in on repeat, leaving everything unclear, and also making things I was blind to suddenly very clear. Y'all, that was a hot mess roller coaster. So over the years, um, the last few years, I've changed a lot of things and in a lot of ways. Some of that change I chose and some of those changes just happened to me. There are a lot of types of change, of ways to change, of degrees of change. But today, I'm going to broadly talk about a few types of change. Changing your mind, changing your theology, and changing your perspective. We've all changed our mind about something. If you're a parent, you probably had all sorts of beliefs about what you would never do as a parent or the things your kid would never do. And then you experience parenting an actual human and you change your mind. Maybe you encountered new information that led to the change as well. My beliefs in discipline from spanking to timeouts to consequences has changed drastically over the years as I've encountered new experiences, as I've raised different kids with different needs and personalities, and as I've read more data and learned to read scripture with a clearer lens. In the summer of 2020, I had some beliefs about race, about systems, and about how our family existed as a blend of races within different systems. I also had some beliefs about how others viewed or cared about our family in relation to race and systems. Those beliefs were loosely formed and never talked about or deepened, so it didn't take much to pull at the loose threads, and the pulling of loose threads always leads to unraveling. 
as I'm starting this conversation here, I don't know if you guys can tell um, that I'm a little breathless. Like even talking about this now is still new enough that it creates some anxiety in me. So we're just going to stick in this. We're going to stay grounded and we're going to keep talking about what it means to change. So back to the summer of 2020 and really prior to that summer, our family spoke very little about race. My husband is Mexican and our kids are biracial, but we just didn't really talk about what that meant or how it impacted our kids. So as racial tensions rose and the world was suddenly engaging in conversations about race and systems, we began to engage in those conversations too. My eyes were suddenly open to things I hadn't previously known or even considered. My kids were hurting. My husband was hurting. And whatever beliefs I formerly held up high in my head, it was just secondary. So I started reading, I started learning, and I started listening. And while my Facebook feed was full of mostly white voices speaking to issues of race and the systems that are deeply racialized from a cognitive and theoretical perspective, right, those conversations were really happening up in their heads. In our home, at our kitchen table, these issues were deeply embodied. So... I began to change my mind, or really for the first time to just make up my mind. I read books, and I dove into scripture with fresh hunger to learn. I challenged the constructs that had scaffolded my ignorance and my apathy. I bent my ear to voices that my curated education had silenced. I tore down the barriers to knowing and understanding the lived experiences of my family. And together, we rebuilt bridges that would reconcile not only our beliefs, but our relationships. I know and understand the world differently because I changed my mind. It cost me some things because change, it is not cheap. And it led to more change because as I was changing my mind, I was exploring the intersection of my beliefs and my theology. So it's no surprise that my theology began to change too. Theology is simply the study of God, of his nature and character, of who he is and what he's done. And if theology is a study, then shouldn't it always be evolving? We can be sure of God and still curious about the depth and the breadth of him. God exists, I am sure. God is all-powerful and all-knowing and all-presence, I am sure. But the streams that branch out from these truths are endless, and I will spend my life exploring the depths of them, exploring the depths of God themselves. As my beliefs changed, I was insatiably curious about what God had to say about the things I was learning, and my curiosity led me to explore parts of God I had previously ignored. The God who is just, who gave detailed instructions for systems that would care for the vulnerable, who spoke tirades against those who abused power, who hosted dinner parties with castoffs, who turned tables and touched lepers, who upended social norms and spoke forgiveness over sinners. I was suddenly encountering parts of God's I missed. And at the same time, I was also waking up to the ways these parts of God had been hidden and withheld from me. I was reading scripture with discernment that I had always dismissed as deceptive emotion or a rebellious spirit. Y'all, I grew up in a Pentecostal church and having discernment is basically a ticket to being labeled a skeptic. Side out of the courtesy droppers, you know who you are. I had to process a lot of feelings around the truth that the way God had spoken to and through me had long been silenced by theologies that were more rooted in culture than scripture. I wrestled a lot 
and I'm still wrestling. God is faithful to wrestle right with me and bestow blessings upon it all. I've changed my mind, and it was disorienting, but I'm still here. I've changed my theology, and it was disruptive, but I'm still here. And those things converged with a change that has perhaps been the greatest gift, a change in perspective. Your perspective is more than your beliefs. It's a way of seeing the world. It's the location from which you view the world, and it's the lens through which you focus on not only the world, but the people within it, the human beings inside of it. Our culture likes to create camps, left and right, Christian and not, conservative and progressive, and on and on. Once you name the camps and choose your camps, you can demonize the other. We don't always admit that's what we're doing. Sometimes we couch it in better language. We pray for, feel sorry for, or separate ourselves from the other, lest they give us their cooties. I I don't know. It's never been really fully explained to me. You can live your whole life in community with your camp and never grow an understanding of the other. They are a perspective you're blind to. I came from a camp. I was indoctrinated in that camp. I knew how to pitch a tent, throw stones, stoke fires, and gatekeep that camp. I voted in that camp, pledged allegiance in that camp, and lived into the doctrines of that camp. I peered out from that perspective my whole dang life. It's a lens I could see clearly from saved me all the admonishment to listen to the perspective of the very camp that so rarely listened to me. So here I was, suddenly, asking some questions, changing my mind, shifting my theology, and before I knew it, I found myself outside the camp. For the first time, I realized the lenses didn't fit. They didn't seem so clear and didn't serve me well. And as I began to speak to these changes in me, I had friends and family that were willing to share their perspectives. They spoke from lived experiences that were completely different from mine, offering a new lens through which to see the world. This last December, I preached a sermon on the lives of Rahab and Ruth and how God invites people into his family so that he can shift our lens through which we view the world. I think of those friends and family who shifted my lens just through lending me theirs, through story and conversation. Expanding my circle of friends and my ability to learn from other perspectives has led me closer to the heart of God and expanded my view of the world. It's brighter and wider than I ever pictured from the cordoned off campsite I'd spent my whole life contained by. And it reflects the heart of a God who's brighter and wider than I'd ever imagined from that location as well. So if you've changed, if you're changing, if you're open to change, let me share a few next faithful steps forward through this open sea. First, untangle your thoughts from your feelings. As your beliefs and theology change, that tide will pull in and out at your emotions. You'll feel all sorts of things, or at least I did. Confused, betrayed, disoriented, scared, excited, curious, motivated, and all things in between. As humans, we are hardwired to hold on to our beliefs that make us comfortable. We are resistant to change because change is disruptive and our brains like order over chaos. So when we are confronted with new information that challenges our beliefs and that feels uncomfortable, we're going to conflate that feeling with the thoughts and our brains will say, this is bad, make it stop. Keeping our old beliefs, theologies, or perspectives is comfortable even if they aren't true or right, even if they don't serve us or others well. 
So learn to separate your thoughts, the things you're learning, the information you're evaluating, the content you're uncovering, and all the ways your brain is processing that information. Separate it from your feelings, especially the uncomfortable ones. I remember reading Isabel Wilkerson's book, The Warmth of Other Suns, highly recommend, and experiencing a lot of emotions as I uncovered parts of history that had been completely obfuscated and not unintentionally by my system of education. But I was able to name those emotions mostly by verbally processing with others and separate them from the information I was learning. This made it possible for me to push forward and remain open to continue learning instead of shutting down to stay comfortable. So while my feelings were uncomfortable, I didn't have to name the information as bad. Those two things don't have to be connected. Next, become and remain curious. It's really important when you're untangling beliefs or theologies to become curious and remain curious. If you're just chasing certainty, then you'll either lock down on your old beliefs or rapidly snatch up and lock down on new ones. But change is a process and it's not a linear one. Curiosity allows you to explore new things and stay open-minded. You can learn from perspectives that you don't agree with and perhaps aren't even correct. You might pick up some small truths or decipher deep deceptions, but you won't know what is contained in the depths of the unknown if you don't explore with a curious mind. Ask lots of questions, become comfortable with not having answers, and over time, change will give way to new ways of thinking and believing with the flexibility to keep evolving as you learn new things and experience God in new ways. That curiosity will create space for the next step, and that is to invite other perspectives. I don't know that true change is possible without allowing other perspectives to open us up to new ways of seeing the world. If you are lucky enough to have friends or family around you sharing a different perspective, start with listening to them. Whether you agree or not, whether they're right or not, separate your thoughts from your feelings, stay curious, and listen. Here is what I have found. The Holy Spirit has been faithful to illuminate truth And I've learned that it's not my work to sort people's lived experiences into my own constructed boxes. Another way to invite other perspectives is to read and listen to voices that speak from a different location. There are endless podcasts, books, and social media accounts that offer perspectives I can learn from. Start by taking a look at your bookshelves and your social media feed. Do they represent a diverse set of perspectives? If you only listen and learn from people who look and think like you, then it's unlikely that you'll experience change. A final faithful step is to release others' responses. And y'all, this is probably the hardest one. Back in the summer of 2020, as I began to change my mind, my beliefs, as I learned from other perspectives and shared learnings from my perspective, the pushback I received seemed to come from every corner. Family, friends, work, church, everywhere I turned, I walked into heightened responses. People left my church, naming that they were afraid of what I'd teach their children. They expressed concern for my biracial children who, in their expert opinion, were clearly being tainted by my hateful beliefs. I was given lists of topics I shouldn't talk about. I received angry messages and phone calls accusing me of everything from ignorance to hate. A few months earlier, 
My faith community had rallied around my daughter as she experienced unexplained physical pain. But now that she was narrating emotional pain, there was an equal and opposite rally against any expression of that pain. I lost deep friendships, and it was disorienting to navigate rough waters while often feeling alone. At first, I carried a lot of blame for those responses, wondering if I had worded things differently, explained myself better, softened my tone, offered more vulnerability, then would that have shifted the responses? But eventually I learned that someone's response to my change isn't really about me at all. It's about them and how they want me to make them feel. That, my friends, is a rabbit hole you'll just spiral down with no productive end in sight. So while now I do my best to navigate change gracefully and speak to that change with kindness, the way others respond is not mine to carry. I really wish I'd learned that sooner. This is especially true when you're changing the nature of a relationship. If the change that's happening within you calls you to set boundaries, to differentiate in healthy ways, to choose healthier paths forward, then you will encounter some heightened responses. These responses are anxious responses, and they're not yours to carry. If you need more words on that, you can go back to the first episode of this season on navigating anxiety in your home. I talk about empowering others to manage their own anxiety, and the principles there will apply apply here as well. Listen, I'm not going to joke around. Change is hard, and we're just scratching the surface here on how to stay calm in the midst of your own changing self. I spoke quite a bit to being open versus right, and I don't want to imply here that truth is all subjective and that you should just make the changes that feel right for you. Some change is healthy, and some just isn't. Some beliefs are good, and some are not. Some theology draws us closer to God, and some doesn't. Over the next couple of episodes, I'll explore the faith and and the theology side a little bit more. As a pastor, I am deeply passionate about cultivating a curious faith, but I'm also rooted in the understanding that Jesus is way and truth and that he's the light. And so while we navigate uncertainty in our faith, we know that following Jesus will lead us to a deeper understanding of the God who does not change like shifting shadows. Our faith can expand without wavering. It can have a firm foundation without being rigid and legalistic. So stay tuned for our next episode where I'll invite my spiritual director into the conversation on wrestling with your faith when it's complicated. But for now, let's close with a practice. Whenever I preach, I begin with a prayer of release. And as we navigate change together, I believe that this posture invites the Holy Spirit to guide our journey. Wherever you are, take an open hands posture and clear your mind of any thoughts. If your mind starts to wander, don't judge. Just release those thoughts and return back to the moment gently. With hands open and mind clear, scan your body for any tension as you inhale and exhale a few times. Release tension as you notice it. Again, don't judge. Just release and return back to the moment gently.
remain in this open hands posture with your mind clear and your body relaxed as I pray this prayer of release. O God who is unchanging, who knows all and sees all, who is way and truth and life, we come to you with open hands full of thoughts, beliefs, and a way of seeing the world. We hold these things loosely with open hands, releasing them to you, knowing that even release can be scary. May your spirit give us peace as we let go of the things that hold us back from your way, from your truth, and from the life abundant you call us to. We release these things and remain even still in an open-handed posture so that we can receive what you have for us. God, will you even now show us the way to change so that we may be more like you? Will you speak truths so that we may know you more deeply? And will you breathe life into us so we may live more abundantly with you? As we embrace change, we find sure footing in your unchanging nature and character. Form and fashion us always to become more and more like you. Amen. Well, I hope that this practice of releasing the things that distract or entangle you so you can receive the things God has for you was grounding and freeing. It is an excellent posture and prayer to return to as you walk through seasons of change. This prayer can be as simple as holding your hands out and saying, God, I release everything so I can receive what you have for me. Well, thank you for joining me today for season two, episode nine of the Find Your Calm podcast. I really hope you were able to unburden yourself to get your bearings, to find your focus and begin to enjoy or at least truly experience that life that's within and around you. Life is chaotic. We know this to be true, but even in the midst of chaos, you can find your calm and take your next faithful step forward. Well, we're just a few episodes away from the end of season two of the Find Your Calm podcast. And y'all, we recently surpassed over a thousand downloads. I think we're like... 1.3k at this point. That's so exciting. And I have loved hearing from so many of you who found this podcast to be calming. If you have just a few seconds, it would be a huge help to me if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen. This helps to get the podcast out into the world for others to hear. If you have a full minute or even two, oh, the luxury, it would be great if you could leave a review. Just name one quick reason Um, that this podcast has been helpful, whether it's been a practical tip, a reassuring reminder, or an encouragement that you're not alone. As always, you can connect with me online as Noelle C. Guevara on the socials or on my website, noellecguevara.com. Until next time, I'm Noelle C. Guevara, and I'm so grateful to be your host and guide as we navigate the chaos of life together.